Dude. Huh. What are we doing? Have we done this before? Am I new here? I might be new here. Hey guys, welcome back. It's episode 45. The first of the second season. <laughs> the first of the second season. <laughs> <laughs> the way that was worded was funny. Am I wrong? You're not wrong though, so that's... <laughs> I'm Amanda. I'm Christina. And this is, I'm sorry, what the podcast. Yeet, yeet, Fucking back. Did I just go yeet, yeet, yeet? Yeet, yeet, yeet. I think Isn't it started with... jizz? <laughs> no, that's skeet, skeet, skeet. Oh, okay. Oh yeah, yeet is like yeet. <laughs> <laughs> I was starting, I think the first one was yeah, and then it just went from yeah to yeet, yeet, yeet. <laughs> Oh yeah, you just you. <laughs> How you doing, oh, I'm Chrissy? Glad to see nothing has changed. I know nothing has changed. Um, Christina. Well, we literally haven't seen each other since the last time we recorded. Yeah, no, we haven't seen each other because every time we were going, so it's one been of us was sick. It's been a long time for everybody involved, mm-hmm. not just you guys, me and Amanda. Um, we are in also. Our new- our new digs, we're all set up in a temporary spot of the new digs because the other one's in construction still. But, but comfy, we got our new mic stands that are uh-huh. so fan- fancy. Yeah, yeah, we're yeah. sitting on your like velour red couches. I know. I'm really, they're saucy, aren't they? <laughs> they're very saucy. <laughs> Uh, it was like it. the first time recording. It took me like 20 minutes to set up, and I was very angry at my computer for forgetting how to work she properly at it a lot and we tried to record a few times and then after like the fourth or fifth time we realized that it was the speaker that wasn't playing it so it's recording we just couldn't hear we it. just couldn't hear it but so, still uh it was like the first time all over again it didn't do well for my menstrual rage so let's just put oh it that my way God. You're, it's gonna be all right. You had a bagel this morning. You got some sweet, sweet ass fucking trail mix stuff over here. Oh, do you like it? I'm glad yeah, you like good. it. I call it Christmas crack. Oh. <laughs> drugs. <laughs> Yay! Yay! Drugs. <laughs> um. So tell me, Chrissy, because this is gonna be out January first. Happy New Year, Happy everybody. New Year. Happy decade. Happy decade. Welcome. To the Roaring Twenties. Hell fucking yeah. 2020. Let's bring back speakeasies and flapper dresses and guys in pinstripe suits. Can we? Yes. Maybe? No? I mean, I would go against the flapper dress. It's not great on my form, but... (laughs) But pinstripe suits and speakeasies, sure. I'm going to still dress in sweatpants, though, because it's the women's movement, and we can do what we want. (laughs) The men now have to dress how we want them to dress. (laughs) Isn't that how everything goes? Like, you come into power and you tell everybody else what to do? I'm in charge now, bitches. Bitches, you wear a pinstripe suit (laughs) all the time. I don't give a shit if you're going to bed. Women have to wear them to bed sometimes. And a top hat. No, not a top hat. Just make everybody wear top hats. (laughs) <laughs> You're Abe Lincoln now. <laughs> 1800s on the top, 20s on the bottom. <laughs> God, this is oh, falling off the rails real just fast. 
Sorry, guys. Uh, Happy New Year is basically what we're trying to say. (laughs) That's where we were going with it, but we kind (laughs) of took a sharp turn to the left. Uh, Well, we have not really switched anything up too much. We just have a new space, new recording, and hopefully new organization. Same old us, though. Yeah, 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 yeah. Same old. I have to remember not to shout because the microphone is just right in my face now. (laughs) It's at a farther away from me, so I'm trying to talk at a quieter tone. So I'm not screaming at you guys. It's a hard habit to break for her. I know. I should have learned this when I was a child, but uh, (laughs) I'm from Minnesota and we're all fucking loud. If you're not loud, you're not heard. Yeah, that's how it works. (laughs) That's how it worked in our house. You gotta be loud to be heard, man. Only the strong survive. Uh, How you feeling? I mean, I'm better oh, now. God. For a while, there was touch and go <laughs> from like my tits to my hoo ha was just very angry in my body. Yep, yep. Been in the hospital a couple times. Turns out I have ulcers because I'm seventy five. I don't know if <laughs> is that something old people get or um. I don't really know, I, I guess. No, I guess. I just maybe need to stop worrying so much about stuff that doesn't matter. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't really know. Because it has but... to do with the like the acid in your stomach eating away at your lining of your stomach, correct? Yeah. Well, and it also can be caused because I had an infection in my stomach like two weeks before I got uh-huh. ulcers. So we said it could have been caused just by the infection itself. Okay. So there's just like, like made a, you susceptible to turning into a ulcer. Yeah, turning yeah. like I could have had an infection and that just because of the infection like caused an ulcer. Um so that's that. It's that been is what it is. I mean, I was told to drink a lot of milk and regular milk was giving me heartburn, so then they told me to switch to chocolate milk. Oh, you talked me into and it. And I'm like, "Oh, darn it." Oh, darn it. Oh, I, shoot. I'll sh- just go ahead. Shoot. Now I got to drink chocolate milk, which is the absolute worst. Just kidding. It's, it's fucking magical. Thing. It's my favorite thing in the entire world. <laughs> and now it's prescribed to me. I've, I've been prescribed chocolate milk. It is. It's like when I had my jaw issue and the doctor's like, you just have to do a lot of popsicles because that's how you ice your jaw. And I was like, I'm sorry. Are you You're telling, telling me, me I get to have sweet treats as my medicine? <laughs> because that's how you ice your jaw. So... Well, I'm glad that you're feeling I just drink now. a lot of chocolate milk. Take my medicine in the morning, but I definitely forgot to take it on Friday and it was a nightmare. Yeah. So it made it really mad. So didn't drink you didn't drink your chocolate milk. No, I forgot my actual medicine because oh, I have to take medicine yeah. and then drink milk. Yeah. And I just drank milk. So So it made it mad. So I need to take the medicine too. It's weird. Anyway, enough about me. How you been? <laughs> Been okay. Was quite sick for like a week and a half right after I moved. So hence she literally still sounded under construction. Like she was dying. Was yeah, gross. I felt like I was dying. So, but I could only take like a day off of work, <clears throat> and so you okay? okay? I was just making sure it's recording. <laughs> like, what's happening? <laughs> uh, and so I just. You know, powered through it, basically. Well, it's like a day and a half or something. I don't know. It's all a blur. It was right after I moved. So everything still is, like, kind of just slowly getting out of boxes. And it's turning into a place where I live. Not just a place where I sleep. I zoned out for a second and I zoned back in at getting out of boxes. And for a second I thought you said, I'm just 
spending a lot of time crawling in and out of boxes. <laughs> I was like, it took me like 30 seconds of my brain to go, that's not what she fucking said. Why were you, what? <laughs> spending a lot of time crawling in and out of boxes. I was like, okay, maybe we need to get you to get out some more. Uh, Mom, how do you spell Chris's son's name? Are you getting him a present? Mm-hmm. Susan. Susan's the best. Oh, Susan. <sighs> so, how was your... Oh, wait, we haven't had Christmas. My Christmas no. was fine. My Christmas, I'm sure, is just glorious. Dude, I have so much I have to tell you off microphone. Because mm-hmm. I don't want to cut it all out and it's a long story. But remind me. Okay. <laughs> off microphone. We need to get, like, a notebook that we have with us. Oh, I forgot your planner at my house. God yeah. damn it. I looked it's okay because it- there's, like, a few days left in the year and I have my new 2021, so... Oh. You can just go ahead and fucking throw that away, but give me the clip that's on it. <laughs> you can't throw the clip away. No, because I could use that still. I fucking need it. I do. I fucking okay. need it. I fucking need it, all right? I fucking okay. need it. Dude, this is... Have you... You don't watch the news, so you don't probably even know about this st- story. So, I'm going to tell you about okay. this crazy fucking shit that's been going on the last two weeks. Okay. There's a womb raider... A womb raider? Yeah. The, okay. You know, they steal babies yes. out of women's room, wombs? Yes. So this chick goes missing in Houston with her three-month-old daughter. And the husband's, like, crying on the... I'm like, oh, please don't... Because you could, like... He was genuinely, like, distraught. So I was like, oh, please don't be the guy who actually did it. I'm going to be really pissed if it turns out you're an asshole. Like... So his family's on the the TV. He's on the TV talking, and he's like, "I just really want her to come home. I want the baby to come home." Sorry, it's fine. Amanda's still kind of dying, and so, um, two days ago they find the baby alive, and they find the mom dead in the trunk of the car. The baby's alive in her best friend's house since they were eleven. Her best fucking friend killed her and took her baby. Killed her and took her baby. What she the she told fuck? everyone as soon as her friend got pregnant, she started telling everyone that she was pregnant too. And then um there's like still stuff like it's brand new. So they they haven't even charged her with her friend's murder yet. They charged her with like tampering with a corpse. And probably like and like kidnapping, kidnapping or something. Yeah. But she lives with her she lives in a house, and then the guy who owns the house is supposed to be just her landlord. But her landlord, like, they, they're they looking into records, and he, like, bailed her out of jail, like, two months ago for something else. And, like, she has been saying she's pregnant. She's looked pregnant this whole time. And then she just showed up with this baby and said she gave birth. But it was, like, a three-month-old baby, so yeah. people were fucking suspicious, and they called the cops, and it's... The baby's name, I think, is Margot. She named her baby Margaret. I'm like, you couldn't even give it a new name? What the fuck, dude? Yeah, they were best friends since they were 11. <clears throat> I'm just gonna make Amanda's this like for you to edit. like a 1980s judge in a courtroom. That's <laughs> <laughs> what she sounds like when she's... I said I 1980s, I meant 1880s. I mean, I got you. <laughs> you, got, you got where I was going. <laughs> No, I and that's. I'm just Listen, so bitch. over this cough. <laughs> Let's make a pact right now that we won't kill each other and steal each other's babies. <laughs> I can guarantee you, I'm not going to kill you and steal your baby. Okay. 
I can goddamn guarantee you. I can I can goddamn guarantee it. <laughs> Ain't nobody stealing your baby on my watch. <laughs> oh god, that's so sad though. That's so like weird. Um, should we just crack into it? Because I've got Star Wars, man. We got we're going to Star Wars today. We're on a time schedule. We only have so long. We're on a goddamn schedule. We got tickets, ticks, to go see the Star Wars. To see the Star Wars. I gotta change, so I'm wearing my Star Wars apparel. So I need time to She's got a lot of it. I do. (laughs) It's ridiculous. I should have put my Star Wars sacks on. What a mistake. Uh... I mean, I want to subtly be like a nerd because I feel like it's, I don't want to be like super overtly. So I'm going to be like a t-shirt, kind of like what you're doing. T-shirt My Death Star a- t-shirt because I'm always for the dark side. Mm-hmm. Yeah, see, and I have like a millennial. Oh, you should wear the millennial top on! <laughs> I was like, wait, this is wonderful. <laughs> it's like a blueprint like yours too. Yeah. Oh God, we got way too excited about that. Okay. Yeah, tell me your story. Okay. You probably you've you've at least heard of this because I heard of it when last podcast on the left did their Mormonism series and mm-hmm. they touched on this case. Okay. And I was like, hold up. <laughs> so I had to. Is this the one at the at the, at end, the end of that series yeah. where they're like, yeah, they just say it and then. That was it because yeah. we were talking about the background of Mormonism, not necessarily that individual yes. case. Okay. Yes, yeah. And I, I was like, "Hold the fuck up! I need to look into this." And it is so fucked. It's the disappearance of Susan Cox Powell. Okay, so um, Joshua Powell and Susan Cox Powell met at an LDS Institute of Religion course during a dinner party at Joshua's apartment in November of two thousand. Um, they began a relationship, and just six months later, they got married in Portland, Oregon. Okay. Um, that's, I'm going to start saying, um, again, because it's been so long since I've heard it. Stop. Uh, they got married at a Portland, Oregon temple in April of 2001. And at the time he was, Josh was bouncing in and out of jobs. He like was not staying employed. Okay. And Susan left her job in cosmetology to work as a broker at Wells Fargo. Good for you. So... She was living a state away from her family, uh, and she basically made Josh her priority, and, like, his happiness was her priority. I think I do know some of the stuff with this. Yes. I just had a, like, light bulb moment. Well, and what, last podcast on the left, they, like, glazed over it, and there's the way they talked about it. I'll get to it. So, uh, where was I? So even like Josh was trying to become a real estate agent at one point and she actually went and got a real estate license to do the same thing he was doing so he could an- she could answer his phones and do the books. So she was like doing bending over backwards doing anything trying to support to, him. to support him and like he his happiness was more important than anything. Okay. So for a brief period of time after their wedding, Joshua and Susan lived at Stephen Powell's home in South Hill, Washington, which is Joshua's dad. Yes. So, unbeknownst to Susan, her father-in-law basically developed an obsession with her. Mm-hmm. And he was totally infatuated with her, which basically, like, became worse when she moved in with him. And they moved in together. So, the way... I was a little confused, because the way the last podcast kind of presented it, it was almost like the threesome. Like, Josh was pushing kind of for a threesome thing with them. 
from what I remember of that, maybe I just misinterpreted it wrong because Henry's a lunatic and I love him. I was like, um, it might have just been the ramblings of Henry. Yes. And he tends to kind of like have string to, things along. Yeah. Sometimes. I love him to death. So that's probably what it was. But basically, Stephen was following Susan around the house with a camcorder. He used a, a mirrors to spy on her while she used the bathroom. What the fuck? A PP cam? <laughs> Stole her underwear from her laundry, read all of her journals, and posted love songs online under a pseudonym. Like, motherfucker was straight Dude. up creepy about it. I'm uncomfortable. In 2003, Stephen confessed his feelings to Susan. Could you even imagine... Like your father-in-law. Just I am in love with you. Not in love. I'm, I'm obsessed with you. Well, but he looks at it at it as love. And she was like, yeah, dude, fuck off. She was very like she rejected him. <laughs> Steven recorded the rejection. And then uh could. <laughs> yeah. And then uh Basically, St- Susan wanted to distance herself from Stephen, so they moved mm-hmm. out of state. And then, not too long after that, they became parents to two boys, Charlie, who was born in 2005, and then Brayden, who was born in 2007. This okay. Ex- okay, yeah. That's just a family not. It's just so weird. Yes. So, Susan's journal entries and email correspondence Basically, with her friends and family, indicated that their marriage was unhappy. Okay. Uh, she stated there was tension with Joshua over his refusal to attend search, church services with his family and over his continued contact with Stephen, despite the fact that his father was still making advances towards Susan. Yeah, even though they that would moved make away. me uncomfortable and upset as well. Right. No, no. Yeah, it's <laughs> That's so no. fucking weird. Uh, Susan's friends also pointed out that Joshua's extravagant spending habits and the fact that he had extremely controlling behavior towards his wife and children. For Susan, having children kind of felt like the glue that would hold their marriage together, which you should never have children for that. And then in 2008, uh, the couple's marriage was basically the worst it had ever been because Joshua had to file for bankruptcy at the end of 2007 Declaring over $200,000 in debt. Oh, wow. And he was not holding a job, which affected his relationship with Susan, who was basically working a full-time job, taking care of the kids, and trying to keep him happy. Right. The main breadwinner and house. Right. Taker. So, Susan recorded a video in July of 2008 surveying property damages that she stated were caused by Joshua in a fight. And then in journals that were recovered after Susan's disappearance, the young mom, she reflected that the tense moments in her marriage, and she reflected on tense moments in her marriage, and even worse, she stated that she feared for her life and her children's safety, and in one, one of her sta- journal entries stated, I have been having extreme marital stress for three to four years now. For mine and my children's safety, I feel the need to have a, leave a paper trail. Mm-hmm. Uh, she, he it went on to say he was he has threatened to skip the country and told me if he divorce if we divorce there will be lawyers. Uh, she then wrote a handwritten will and at the end it said if I die it may not be an accident even if it looks like one. She shot a video that same year saying if something happens to me or my family or all of us, 
Uh, these are assets that are documented and she had put them in like a safety deposit box. Yeah, that I remember that little detail because I remember hearing the like, basically, if I die, it was probably him. It's mm-hmm. like pretty much the ringing sound over all of the stuff that she was doing. Right. So on the morning of December 6, 2009, Susan and her children went to church. Following church, she ate pancakes that her husband had made and invited her friend over to help untangle a barn of yarn, ball of yarn. So I think she was like knitting or something and her friend was coming over and Right. Hey Amanda, do you want to come over and help me untangle a ball of yarn, please? When in actuality I'm gonna come over and I'm gonna steal the baby out of your womb. <laughs> It's not funny. That shit actually happens. I know, but it's so like both of those are such what the fuck friend moments. I know. <laughs> like, no, dude, untangle it yourself. Get you your wanna, shit together. You can get new yarn if it's so tangled. You it's can't like three dollars a skein. I'll fucking go buy you some more yarn. I'll just bring you yarn. Okay. okay? How about that? How about that? <laughs> so. After her friend had come over, like, soon after, she started to complain that she wasn't feeling well. Uh, A neighbor had stopped by in the afternoon and then left around 5 p.m. The following morning, the entire family was reported missing after Charlie and Brayden were not dropped off at daycare, and Susan was a no-show at work, and no one could get in touch with Josh. Eek. Uh, Joshua's mother, Teresha... Okay, it's spelled (laughs) T-E-R-R-I-C-A. Which I'm, it's, when you say, I assume it's Teresha, but it makes me sound like I can't say the name Teresa <laughs> when you say it. What? How does it spelled? T E or is it Terica? T E R R I C A. Sounds like ter. It sounds like it should be like Terica. Terica, like, Teresa, whatever her fucking whatever. name is. Josh's mom. Josh's mom. And sister Jennifer went looking for the family at their house shortly after being informed that the children had not been dropped off at daycare. They called the police when they failed to make contact with Josh and Susan. The police broke into the house, fearing that they might be victims of carbon monoxide poisoning. Oh, yeah. And they found no one inside, but noticed two box fans blowing at a wet spot on the carpet. Yeah, that's not good. Later that day, at about 5 p.m., Josh showed up at home with the two boys (laughs) and was taken to the police station for questioning. He claimed that he had left Susan sleeping at home shortly after midnight on December 7th. Oh, yeah. And taken his boys on a camping trip. After midnight. I remember that. To Simpson Springs in western Utah. (laughs) Police visited Simpson Simpson Springs on December 10th, but found no evidence of the campsite that Josh had described. They also found it suspicious that he would take his young boys out camping after midnight when he was scheduled to go to work at his job in just a few hours. Um, He had not told his boss that he would not be coming into work that day and explained to police it was because he had thought it was Sunday rather than Monday. So he thought that they were leaving on a Saturday. Uh Uh-huh. Never mind that it was winter and records show the temperature plunged into into 16 degrees that night with two little boys. Yeah. This is bullshit. That's bullshit. That's bullshit. You're a fucking liar. Also, Susan's purse, wallet, and identification card were all found at the house. Or, no, they were actually all found... Or at the house, her cell phone was later found in the family's only vehicle, a minivan, that Joshua had been using, and they did find a trace of Susan's blood. However, that could technically be... She could have gotten a nosebleed. Yeah. She could have got a cut in her hand. It wasn't she enough to say that... Right. 
it was a lethal wound or even one that was, like, major. Right. So upon searching the residence on December 9th, investigators found traces of Susan's blood on the floor, life insurance policies on Susan for $1.5 million, and a handwritten letter from Susan expressing fear for her life. DNA test results released in 2013 matched one blood sample with Susan, while another sample was determined to have come from an unknown male. Hmm. So, um, in August of 2012, West Valley police released documents showing that Joshua took actions that were regarded as highly suspicious following Susan's disappearance. Um, He liquidated all of Susan's retirement accounts, accounts, canceled her regularly scheduled chiropractic sessions, and withdrew his children from daycare. Uh, And he had previously spoken to co-workers about how to hide a body in the abandoned mine shafts in the western Utah desert. Yeah, not fucking nefarious at all. Right. I'm going to stop all this stuff, even though there's no proof that you're actually dead or that you're gone forever. Like, Mm -hmm. you might just be gone for a while. Yeah. And then it gets worse. So just wait. Oh, yeah. A week after she was first reported missing, Josh was named the primary suspect in her disappearance. Um, Obviously, most of the red flags were her cell phone was found in his car, uh, and he didn't appear to be concerned about her welfare at all. Uh, He continued to maintain his innocence, uh, and while the police questioned Josh, they still did not have enough evidence to charge him. Okay. Everything was basically, they had a shit ton of evidence, but it was all circumstantial. Right. None of it was, like, concrete. Right. Uh, Police interviewed the family's oldest son, Charlie, who confirmed that the camping trip Joshua described took place. However, unlike his father... He stated that his mom had gone with them, and then she did not return. (sighs) Weeks after her disappearance, a teacher reported that Charlie had claimed that his mother was dead. Susan's parents, Chuck and Judy Cox, claimed that while at daycare several months after the disappearance, Brayden drew a picture of a van with three people in it and told carers that mommy was in the trunk. Holy shit, that's uncomfortable. Can you imagine that as a child caregiver? They're drawing pictures and all of a sudden the little kid's like, this is me and my daddy and my brother. Mommy's in the trunk. Um, <laughs> you know, I can imagine it. There's a lot of times, like, kids will bring me, like, pictures they drew. I was like, oh, what is this? And it's like, oh, this is a unicorn and this is its blood because it was just ripped apart by blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and it's like, Okay, well, remember not to draw things that are so yucky at school, okay? Okay. Hey, kid, that's fucking gross. Hey, don't be a fucking creep. (laughs) (laughs) So, investigators informed the media that they planned to question Joshua again and subpoenaed all footage from the interviews aired and unaired of Joshua from local television stations. Because he was all over the news channels. Right. On December 14th, Joshua retained an attorney in connection with the investigation, and police said that he grew increasingly uncooperative. A few days later, he took his sons to Pulleyup to stay with Stephen for the holidays, which is, they went to visit his father, which is where they, like, were originally living. Did his father then kill him because he killed the love of his life? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be a twist in the story. Sounds like a soap opera. <laughs> uh, by December 24th, Joshua was considered a person of interest in the investigation, and then on January 6th, he returned with his brother Michael to pack the family's belonging, indicating he was moving permanently to live with his father. Oh. Uh, So just a little background on this motherfucker. He was born in January of 1976. 
uh, to Stephen Terica. Uh, Josh's parents had a dysfunctional marriage caused in large part by Steve's Stephen's disaffection with the Church of Latter- Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints. Okay. Uh, according to the divorce filings, Stephen shared pornography with Joshua and his two male siblings and oh. refused to teach or enforce limits on certain behaviors. Uh, as teenagers, Joshua allegedly killed gerbils belonging to one of his sisters and threatened his mother with a butcher knife. He also attempted suicide on at least one occasion. Oh, so he's not quite stable. No. So an example of this is he was living in Seattle as a student at the University of Washington. um, And he began a relationship with a young woman named Catherine Terry Everett, who he met at a local LDS ward. After the two moved into an apartment together, he became possessive. He would have restrictions and limitations on what she couldn't, couldn't do she couldn't visit her family. She was going to visit them. He had to come too. She could never go by herself. Uh, and then one day she ma- managed to go visit a friend in Utah without Joshua and just decided to never return to Seattle and <laughs> broke with him over the phone and just left all her shit. Well, I don't fucking blame her. Right. Like, what did I? What else do you fucking do? Yeah. Like, it was... I would have fucking done that too. So, that's just kind of a little glimpse into the background that he may not have been... All okay upstairs. Right, he's a little, little wibble wobbly up in <laughs> the up in the noodle. <laughs> Couple of red flags popping up here. So, in now that he had moved, he now lived with his the two boys his in his father Stephen's house, and with his brothers Michael and jo- Jonathan, and his sister Alina. So they all lived in this house together as adults. Uh, yes, with his sons. Joshua indicated that he would rent out a house in his house in Utah, but he never did. Okay. Uh, soon afterwards, he started the website SusanPowell.org. It was described as the official website of Susan Powell, and the site's anonymous entries defended Joshua as the victim of a smear campaign by Susan's family Imagine and his estranged sister Jennifer at the and the LDS Church. I mean, everybody's out to get him, Christina. Additional posts also speculated that Susan's disappearance was connected to that of Stephen Kocher, a formal journalist who had vanished the same week as Susan, and that the two had run off to Brazil together. Joshua and Stephen were widely believed to have written all of these posts. Yeah, well, uh, yeah. yeah. So, in late 2010, both men claimed that Susan had abandoned her family due to mental illness and that she had left with another man. Susan's family rejected these claims as being unsupported by any evidence, obviously. Right. It's like, you're just saying shit. So investigators then extended their investigation to Stephen Powell. Upon learning from a family friend that he had been obsessed with his son's wife, computer images seized from Stephen's house in 2010 turned up over 4,500 images of Susan taken without her knowledge. Oh my god. Including close-ups of specific body parts. Specific, like... Like her genitalia. I'm guessing. Because he had his little toilet cam. So, I don't know. They didn't really specify what actual body parts. Yeah. So, that's fucked up. Um, (laughs) Police also turned their attention to his brother, Michael. After learning that he had sold his broken down 1997 Ford Taurus to a wrecking yard in Pendleton, Oregon. Shortly after Susan's disappearance. And had later ordered satellite images of the lot. When police found the car, a sniffer dog indicated that a decomposing human body had been in the trunk, but DNA tests on the car provided proved inconclusive. So they're just like a family of 
I think they all three of them were in on it. When you hear the rest of the story. <clears throat> so, then on September 14th of 2011, Utah authorities discovered a possible grave site while searching the Topaz Mountain, a desert area ne- near Nephi. I don't know where that is or how if I pronounce that right. I don't fucking care. Um, that J- Joshua... <laughs> You got really defensive. Nobody was arguing they might with have you. Been. <laughs> um, Joshua had frequent frequented as a, this place, this area as a known campsite. Like okay. he'd gone there a lot. There were signs of recent soil disturbance and shoveling, but after digging a few feet down, police were unable to find any remains in a specific. Or even though they were very careful, they sifted through the soil and stuff. They weren't able to find any human remains. Right. Um, they did have anthropologists confirm that. Um, it's not the site of an ancient burial ground. So if they did find any body parts, it's, that's, it's, yeah. yeah. So they continued to examine the site for a time, but could not find any remains of a body. Uh, authorities said that they were following a scent detected by their sniffer dogs. So they were like hinting in on something, but they couldn't find any physical evidence. Right. Okay. So this is now when the relationships between the Powell family and the Cox family kind of became very hostile and kind of broke down. After a police raid in their home in 2011, both Joshua and Stephen spoke to a major news outlet regarding journals that Susan had allegedly written about the relationship between Stephen and herself. Stephen claimed that he and Susan had been following falling in love prior to her disappearance, and he cited the content of the journals that were written when Susan was a teenager. So it was probably about like a boy or something because right. these journals. He Joshua had them all because they were in the house. Stephen is like a little bit looped up mm-hmm. too, huh? And he used those journals that were written when she was a teenager as evidence to support this theory that she was mentally unstable and could have run away with another man. What in the friend? So then a judge issued a permanent injunction forbidding Joshua and Stephen from publishing any material from Susan's journals, ordering the pair to either return or destroy any journals they had already published. Right. Now it's just like... Stop it. Yeah. Well, it's just defacing her name for Mm -hmm. absolutely no reason. Right. It's not imperative to the now. Mm Mm-hmm. Stupid. Oh, my God. Okay. So then on September 22nd, Stephen was arrested on charges of voyeurism and child pornography after police found evidence that he had secretly videotaped numerous women and young girls, including Susan. Uh, John Long, an assistant attorney general for Washington State, said that Joshua was a subject in the child pornography investigation as well. A friend of Stephen claimed that he was preoccupied with pornography and was hung up on Susan sexually. Obviously. Well... So this is when Susan's father, Chuck Cox, filed for custody of Susan's children. Yeah. The day after Stephen was arrested, a Washington court eventually granted him temporary custody of the boys, ruling that Joshua would have to move out of Stephen's home if he wanted to regain custody. Fair. He rented a house in South Hill, Washington, but authorities later alleged that he had never actually moved into that house, merely making it appear that as if he'd satisfied the court's instructions while continuing to live at Stephen's home. Why would you pay for a place? And not move into it. So, I don't, yeah. <laughs> I, I, don't I don't know either. This is dad's little fucking butt buddy. Yeah. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> <laughs> so then, uh, in late 2011, Joshua's sister, Jennifer, stated that she believed 
Joshua was responsible for his wife, Susan Powell's disappearance. His sister, Alina, who was living with him, also was suspicious of him as well. But then she withdrew her suspicions and felt that Joshua had been harassed by the investigation. So she came out and was like, yeah, I think she, he killed him. Just kidding. No, I don't. Yeah, actually, yeah, actually I'm, now I feel like he's just being harassed. Yeah, so. he's just being harassed. Uh. Around this time, though, the West Valley City had been, spent more than half a million dollars on this case. Uh-huh. And in September of 28th, the mayor, Mike Winder, indicated that he felt that the case was worth the expense, stating that we feel that we're getting to that tipping point where we have more than enough evidence than we or then we have more than hot I can't talk where we have more hot evidence than we have had in the last 2 years and that the case was moving forward. Oh good. And then in late 2011, Joshua was forced to go undergo a series of court-ordered evaluations in Washington. The evaluations by James Manley determined that Joshua had adequate parenting skills a steady employment history and no criminal record history or history of domestic violence. Because okay. other than the fact that his wife was missing, right. there had been yeah. no nothing else recorded. Well, exactly. I was like, other than just that one girl who broke up with him because of alleged yeah. whatever. But So, however, he also raised issues concerning the ongoing criminal investigations, Joshua's failure to admit normal personal shortcomings like his overbearing behavior with his sons, and his persistent defensiveness and paranoia attributed to the police and media tension in conjunction with they he believed were would be underlying narcissistic traits. Right. Uh, the initial recommendation was for Joshua to have visitation with his son several times a week that were supervised by a social worker. Yes. So that's what was currently set up. Which, yes, I think is very smart. Right. Uh, in the last week of January 2012, Utah, Utah police discovered about 400 images of simulated child pornography, bestiality, and incest on Joshua's computer. Oh my god, the, with his sons? No. The oh. images were, were not technically illegal because they had been hand-drawn or, or cartoon or 3D format. They weren't actually um. child pornography. Uh, but they were given cause for great concern. Uh, particularly given Josh's earlier denial of possessing any such material, um, which led to a welfare check from social services and Josh losing full custody of his sons, and they were sent to live with Susan's parents. Right. Well, so, just the imagery in general is, like, not okay. Uh, he was recommended to receive a more thorough psychosexual evaluation and a polygraph test. Uh, however, though, he did not suggest any change in the visitation schedule with the visit the Powell boys. Okay. So you don't have full custody. They're not going to live with you. You can still see them as long as they are. Like supervised visitations. Right. So then uh, while this was all going down, his brother Michael established a Google Sites page which claimed that Susan's parents were abusing and neglecting the boys in collusion with the child welfare authorities and that West Valley City Police had both mishandled the investigation and Susan's disappearance and were harassing Joshua. But then, obviously, that was disputed in court, and Google removed the site after a few days due to terms of use violations. Yeah. Spreading malarkey, that's what they're doing. Okay, so this is where it gets dark now. Okay. A judge had upheld the custody arrangement and ordered Joshua to undergo another psychosexual evaluation in the beginning of February. So this was like February 1st or 2nd that this happened. And then what on year is that? 
2012. I was going to say it's pretty recent, Mm -hmm. right? So on February 5th, 2012, social worker Elizabeth Griffin Hall called 911 after bringing Charlie and Brayden to a supervised visit at Joshua's house in South Hill. I've heard this 911 call on one of those 911 call podcasts. It's awful. Hall was supposed to monitor the visit between Joshua and the boys. The boys had run ahead to greet their dad. Josh grabbed them, locked the social worker out of the house, and refused to let her in. The... The 911 call, she said, he won't let me in the house. Uh, He's got the kids in the house and he won't let me in. And it was the middle of the day. She said she could smell gas and hear one of the boys crying. Mm -hmm. I can like hear her voice in my head Mm -hmm. because I've heard the the call. Yeah, I listened to it. It's not, he took them. He took them inside. Yeah. The door's locked. I can't go in. The call lasted for six minutes. And at one point, the dispatcher said they could only send first responders to life-threatening situations. I can smell gasoline. <laughs> like, uh, I, I'm hearing it. She said this is life-threatening. He has he was in court on Wednesday. He didn't get his kids back. And this is really, I'm afraid for their lives. She said she didn't know whether or not he had threatened the children's lives, but the dispatcher agrees to have the first available deputy contact her. Oh, my God. When she called back... Five minutes later, she had informed the dispatcher that the ma- man in question had blew up the house. Mm-hmm. That she was outside it. and mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, my God. I can't even imagine. So, I know. <laughs> Can you just, like, being her? Right. Where you're the one who's supposed to be there to keep those kids safe, and they just go to say hi to their dad ahead of you, and he just, yoink! Yeah. Shuts the door, blows them up, kills everybody. Yes. It's horrifying. I can't. Oh, my God. So, officials confirmed that the explosion had been deliberately planned. The official cause of death for Joshua and the two boys was determined to be carbon monoxide poisoning, uh, though the coroner also noted that both children had significant chopping injuries on their head and neck. Oh, my God. A hatchet was recovered near Joshua's body, and investigators believed that he had attacked the boys with it before being overwhelmed by the smoke and fumes. I had never heard that mm-hmm. detail. Oh I had neither. God. Um, and investigators believe that, um, I already said that, the fire investigation also found that two five-gallon cans of gasoline on the premises, as well as the evidence that gasoline had been spread throughout the house. Yep, that's, so that's what she was smelling. Um, when they interviewed Susan's father, Chuck, he said, I knew it was possible. I knew that he was capable of something if he were pressured and pushed. It If he felt there was no hope, he was capable of ending their lives in his life. But to do it in such a manner, by burning your own children, I just couldn't believe that that would happen. Uh, He also went on to state that they were beginning to verbalize more. Later, the both of the boys, the oldest boy talked about that they went camping and mommy was in the trunk. Mom and dad got out of the car and then mommy disappeared. Um, He also said that seven-year-old Charlie had drawn a picture Depicting his father's van with her mom and brother in the back seat, their mother in the trunk. He kept saying mommy's in the mine. He kept having nightmares saying mommy's in the mine. Um, the past January, Jason Jensen, a private investigator, had co-founded. So in January, a month before, yep. he had co-founded a group that had arranged for additional searches of several hundred of the mine shafts dotting Utah's West Valley to begin mm-hmm. after the first of the year. Um. Which had not Hall had been able to thoroughly be swept during the two plus official search for her body. Okay. So this was coming up the search of all these mines. So he was his he, kids were starting his, to like, verbalize. This he, was the, his, oh my god! The judge said it was like the perfect storm of 
he's going to lose his shit. Pushed into a corner. Yeah. It's all going to come out now. Either you fight to get out of that corner by mm-hmm. killing everyone right. or end yourself. About 20 minutes before the fire started, Josh state left a voicemail for us saying, hello, this is Josh. I'm calling to say goodbye. I'm not able to live without my sons and I'm not able to go on anymore. I'm sorry to everyone I've hurt. Goodbye. He also emailed his attorney who didn't get the letter until a few hours later that said, I'm sorry. Goodbye. When authorities notified Stephen, who was in jail, he didn't seem very upset by the news, but was angry toward authorities who notified him. Um, Two weeks later, he invoked his Fifth Amendment right to not answer questions about the Susan Powell case. Uh, He, Cox and others who have, his father basically, who stated they believe Stephen knew what actually happened to Susan. Uh, he was convicted of the voyeurism charges in 2012 in a trial, which largely skirted the, they like, they didn't talk about Susan's case. It was just the voyeurism itself. Mm-hmm. Um, friends and relatives of Joshua told authorities that he had contacted them by email minutes before to say goodbye. Some of them, including his pastor received instructions about finding his money and shutting off his utilities. Records also showed that he had ha- had withdrawn $7,000 from a bank account and had donated his children's toys and books to a local charities the day before the incident. Uh, he also named Michael as the main beneficiary on his life insurance policy. Um, and then Charles. So Charles and Braden were buried at Woodbine cemetery, um, which also contained the memorial for their mother. And then Josh's remains were cremated. But then on February 11th, 2013, approximately one year after the death of Joshua and his sons, Michael took his own life, his brother, in Minneapolis, where he had moved to for graduate school. He jumped off the roof of a parking garage. Oh, damn. Police had questioned Michael several times the previous year after discovering his abandoned fort at the Oregon Reckoning Yard. And he was evasive. His answers answers were evasive about why he left the car at that location. Um, they, be- the Utah authorities had since stated that they believe that Joshua and Michael were accomplices in the murder of Susan. And that was that unknown DNA source mm, Okay. in the house. Oh. The other thing that was pissed me off is that the psychologist who was doing all of the analyzing on Joshua stated mm-hmm. that he had suspicions that Joshua was involved in his wife's disappearance, but he left those out of his report because they were beyond the scope of his duties. And because Joshua had not been charged with any wrongdoings. It just annoys me because, I mean, there's so many things that could have prevented those boys from dying. Like, all of that child pornography and all of that shit, he should not have been allowed to see those boys visitated or not. Or it should have been at, like, one of those visitation centers. It shouldn't have been at his house. So, in May of 2013, West Valley City Police announced that they had closed the active investigation to Susan's disappearance. They believe that she's dead. Right, that she's dead and... They are most likely responsible. So then, this is what pisses me off also. In May of 2015, Chuck Cox and his and Susan's mother had to take Sue, or Joshua's sister Alina and his mother to court over control of Susan's estate. They were trying to have Susan declared legally dead so that they could collect her $1.5 million life insurance policy. But Michael ultimately gained full control of the state. Right. But they had to sue the state, and then it went to, like, they had to, like, go a couple of times. Like, why the fuck should you profit off my de- off her death, your son and your brother? 
or most killed my ones. wife or my, right. my sis my my daughter get the fuck out of here <laughs> uh. so then they the family also sued washington's department of social health social and health services d8 dshs like their dyphus or their right. socials claiming that the agency prioritized joshua's parental rights over the safety of the boys yeah which facilitated their deaths so the lower court initially ruled against them but then the United States Court of Appeals reversed the ruling and allowed the case to proceed to trial, which happened in January of 2019. But I didn't, they didn't have the outcome of it yet. Okay. Um, Susan's family also pressured state lawmakers in Washington and Utah to pass a bill that would restrict or block visitation rights for parents being investigated for murder. Which seems reasonable. Mm-hmm. So Stephen Powell was released from prison in July of 2017 after serving a total of seven years following his voyeurism and child pornography convictions, and he died of natural causes in 2018. And then Susan remains a missing person, but there is presumed dead. Uh, yeah, yeah. There are calls. There were calls as of March 2018 to have her declared dead, with the cause being homicide, but they still haven't declared her as. Deceased. Well, and that would be really tough. Not just without a body. I think it has to be like seven to ten years. Yeah. Well, and with a not just without a body, like they don't have enough blood to prove that he she even had any like life threatening right. wounds, you know. So it's like, uh... isn't that fucked up though? I hate it. It's I... so like the the whole story when they like touched on it, and I was like. That's intriguing. I want to read it. And then I was like, oh my god, that's so fucked up. And I'm sure they just barely touched on it because they'd like to do a deep dive They did. Dive it was like it. literally probably three minutes. Yeah, I was but, like, I'm sure they want to do like a deep dive on it at some point, but... It's so fucked up. It's... I just don't... I don't know if people are fucking... Oh, fuck. Just fuck. I just... It makes me so sad. I just don't... How do you... I will never understand parents who are able to kill their children. Yeah. Because, like, I don't have kids, but I have nieces and nephews that, like, just the thought of something happening to them. Right. Exactly. Makes me want to do murder to whatever happened to them. Like, like, you know. I will kill (laughs) someone who touches I imagine that is, like... Ten trillion fold when they're your actual well, you would think children. So. I mean, some people don't have that. I suppose. Well, yeah, they're empathy. sociopaths, but yeah. But it's like, god damn, I just don't. Whatever, I can't understand. You're a it. fucking lunatic. I hate him. Hey, everything about what I just said to you, and everybody's dead. Mm, yeah, except her parents, and then the people yeah. that tried to take the money from her parents. Because she is dead. You just summed that up. That's a very depressing story. <laughs> Everybody is dead. Everybody's dead. And probably everybody who could give you the answers that we are need dead. are dead. So it's done. It's done. Unless they are to find her body in one of the mines and they have yeah. more physical stuff to go. Right. Just but to- at this point, finding her body in a mine is probably... Also, if the people that probably did it are dead, they're probably not very... Uh- searching yeah they're not very very much pushed to finish mm-hmm. and finalize things because it's, like, it's technically a cold sure case it. but it's not really because i'm pretty sure he fucking killed her right well and that's and like, she wasn't feeling good so i'm wondering if he gave her something like a sleeping or he something. poisoned her and then the 
And that stain in the carpet was probably her, like, vomiting or something from being poisoned. Oh, yeah. And then he scooped her, shoved her in the trunk, and took the boys camping Camping. while they they disposed of the body. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure they went down there. They went camping. But didn't, I feel like I read somewhere that they only went camping for, like, a little bit. Yeah, they left at midnight. They They left the house. in the car. Yeah, they left the house at midnight. Yeah. Drove, like, three hours out into the desert camped and then came back home yeah that's i'm like so, I mean, i'm like, sure i read that the kids had said that they didn't even really get out of the car like they got there and yeah he there's changed his mind there's recording something. videos yeah. of the boys being interviewed and it's the saddest thing ever yeah i was like i'm pretty sure i read that someplace but i may have made it up i don't know but good one thanks everybody's dead so now that i've depressed you with everybody being dead are you going to tell us an uplifting story of redemption and survival? Well, it's me. So, <laughs> so no. no. I'm going to tell you a story of everybody's dead and nobody knows who killed them. Oh, good. Those are... So we have two unsolved cases. Yeah. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah. I hope um, you guys find fulfillment in something else this yeah, year. Because well, you know it's not going to come from us. Let's go ahead and say... um. This is like that hunt a killer game. Uh, we're gonna put the knowledge in your noodle, and you can go ahead and just like try to solve these crimes. Okay, put the knowledge in your noodle. Just right, 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 right there in your nugget. Right in the nugget. <laughs> oh, and it comes full circle. <laughs> okay, so I'm gonna tell you about the Long Island serial killer, aka the L I S K Lisk. So it's just the acronym for it aka the gilgo beach killer aka craigslist ripper so he has a lot many names yes there's a lot of different names because there's a lot of different theories about it since there's so many victims and it kind of varies in i didn't realize there was so much to it until i was like well that sounds interesting i've never heard of that guy before and then it's like when you gave me the list i was like oh yeah not yeah. all of it. I've been like, I, I've read. Yeah. Well, okay. There were a few moments when I was like, oh yeah, I remember this story. Cause it was on this show. Like one of those like mini snips yeah. of one of the victims, but let's just go ahead and get into it. Let's so, just dive right in. Balls deep. Dive in. Fucking sounds fun, right? Balls deep. Balls deep. Uh, on May or in May of 2010, the Suckla- Suffolk. I have such a hard time saying that because it's S-U-F-F-O-L-K. Suffolk. Suffolk. (laughs) But they say it because it's in New York. Suffolk. Suffolk. Yeah. And so I'm like, Suffolk. (laughs) Every time I read it Really get that Minnesotan in there. Suffolk. You know, vowels are important. Suffolk. So, the Suffolk... That's so much easier to say. (laughs) County police were searching for Shannon Gilbert, a 24-year-old woman who was working as an escort in New Jersey after receiving a 911 call from her that lasted 23 minutes. According to the call and her mother, during those minutes, she was running down the street, pounding on doors and escaping a man, she said, and was never seen alive again. Oh, she that is re- terrifying. Yeah, she was reported missing officially on May 1st of that year, 2010. Uh, in December of the same year, 
the an officer and his canine were doing a routine training exercise and stumbled upon a body. Um, immediately, everybody assumed it was Shannon. The skeleton, re- the skeletal remains of a woman in a nearly disintegrated burlap sack, turned out to be another woman. <gasps> yeah, like within a few, like a couple miles of each other. There's like, it's crazy. She's in a bag. She's in a burlap she's just, sack. What is, she, what is he a hobo? Why does he have a burlap sack? And, okay, I have a really funny little anecdote later about the burlap sacks. I don't understand because their description and like profile of him was—it's just so funny. Um, with, <laughs> I don't. I, <coughs> so if, uh, this is, I, okay, continue. I know. Of I'm all, sorry. Like containers, a burlap sack. <laughs> I don't, this isn't the 1950s. Where did you find a burlap sack? It's, my, it's not like a common thing that things are carried okay, in anymore. I have to say, so in the profile, one of their details is they're like, this, this man is a man between the ages of this and this and has access to a burlap sack. Yes. <laughs> I was like, who can't get that burlap has to be, sacks? Though? That has to be a fucking narrow search window. Who the fuck has access to burlap sacks? It's like, I feel like you could probably just order those. I know. I Amazon. fucking Amazon it. But I feel like this is weird. I don't want... I'm sorry. Uh, I'm really I'm really focused in on the burlap sack. But. Once, so once they, like, discovered that this was a different woman, they brought in their search area and found three more bodies in this small area. Were they in burlap sacks? Um, no. Mm. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking Christ. they were in something else. But three more bodies... All of women that were most likely selling their services on Craigslist, which is Craigslist. Do potatoes come in a burlap sack? Sometimes. If you get them, like, directly from a farm farm. Maybe he's an Irish potato farmer. (laughs) There it is. You solved it. (laughs) Hashtag solved. (laughs) (laughs) So all these women were in burlap sacks, believed to have been killed elsewhere, and then dumped along Gilligo Beach. Um... The bodies were of, so these are the three women that they discovered in 2010 in December. Maureen Brainerd Barnes, 25, from Norwich, Connecticut. She was an online escort on Craigslist who was only 4 feet 11 inches tall. No, she's just... And was just around 100 pounds. She was tiny. Okay. So my, my question that I'm waiting to ask you is... How the fuck did he fit these people into burlap sacks? They're not that big. It's apparently because he's fighting tiny little women. Well, and that's what it is, is between their, like, body stature and their lifestyle, that's why they kind of connect them, because they're all, like, just over five feet. Because, like, a burlap sack, I'm 5'5", I remember, like, in a potato sack race, they come up to your, like... Yeah, but they're loose, so I mean, if you... I don't know how you would fit up... Fold them up. Well, he also cuts them apart, so... Oh, um, that that clears it up. Yep. They're just... Mm-hmm. Okay, sorry, continue. Um, she, she was last seen July of 2007, saying that she was planning to spend the day in New York City, and was never seen by anybody alive again. She was was a struggling mom and was working as an escort to pay her mortgage on her house, but had actually been had stopped doing that like seven months before this incident um, and had recently just decided she needed to do it again to catch herself up because she got to a place where she received an eviction notice. 
So she's like, well, I have no choice. I need to have a place mm-hmm. for my kids and myself to live. We're just going to do this a couple more times, cover that, get that done, and then go back to just straight right. straight and narrow, right? <clears throat> Shortly after her disappearance, Sarah Carnes, her friend, received a phone call from a man and an unknown number. She said that he said he had seen Maureen staying at a whorehouse in Queens. Quotation. <laughs> Just like, you, you do it as you say it, but <laughs> and I like look at my microphone like I'm like, trying to tell like it. it through the mic. That's a quote. Do you hear I, it? I didn't make up whorehouse in Queens. Uh, she didn't say who, I've never or, called them that <laughs> manhole. I've never called them that. Uh, so he didn't say who he was or where she was exactly, uh, but said that he would call her again and give her the address. So made it seem like he needed to go find the address of where it was, mm-hmm. whatever. But Karen said that he never called again. Um, and uh, he had a very strong Boston accent or strong New York. Like you could tell Thick. he was from that yeah. area. So the second victim that they found that day was Melissa Bartholomew, uh, 24, from Erie County, New York. Uh, went missing July 10th of 2009. She lived in the Bronx at the time of her disappearance and was working as an escort on Craigslist. Uh, The night that she went missing, she was with a client and deposited $900 into her bank account. She also attempted to call her boyfriend, but the call didn't connect for whatever reason. Wait, she's a hooker with a boyfriend? I mean, sex worker with a boyfriend? I cannot imagine doing that. Yeah, I can't. Being okay with that. Right. No, that's, I know, me neither, but each their own i guess yes <laughs> about a week later her teenage sister amanda began receiving vulgar and mocking and insulting phone calls from a man using melissa's phone so he took the phone calls her this went on for weeks barely being on long enough to be able to track um she would ask <clears throat> he would ask things like are you a whore like your sister and the calls became darker and darker eventually saying that her sister was dead and that he was going to watch her rot and all of this like just this is still un go ahead solved yeah that's fucked up yeah um i don't like that the calls were and this was all like recently Mm because it goes all the way up until um like they find these bodies now find bodies in like 2011 there are like new things happening all the way up to like 2016 and i mean it's still an open and active case but they can't give away much of the details right because they're still yeah since it's still active um but the calls were traced back to madison mostly madison square garden midtown manhattan but they were unable to determine who was calling considering it was from melissa's phone phone um there were a lot of calls from Manterville right around Melissa's disappearance, according to her mother and their phone records. So they're thinking that maybe traced to Manterville, New York. Mm-hmm. So that's uh, the wrap up on Melissa. The third victim they found that day was that Megan. day. Yeah. Oh yeah. Cause they found a whole bunch of bodies yeah, in burlap sack. Sorry. Yeah. Got it. Continue. And then it extended. Mm-hmm. And that one was not extender? identified. A lot of them are not even, like, Mm -hmm. they don't even know who they are. Uh, So, Megan Waterman, 
22 from South Portland, Maine. She went missing, um, went missing, placing an escort advertisement on Craigslist again. The day before she went missing, she had told her boyfriend that she was going out and would call him later. Uh, at the time of her disappearance, she was staying at a motel in New York. And it was only 15 miles away from Gilligo Beach, which is where all these bodies were found. Mm-hmm. And then the fourth victim, the one that they found first that made them extend the... Mm-hmm. Um, which made them bring out the extender. The extender for the search was Amberlyn Costello. She was 27 from North Baylon, New York. Only 10 miles away from Gilligo Beach. She was a sex worker and a heroin user. And went missing in September that year. So Mm -hmm. they found her not long after she had gone missing. Um, The night she, or the night she is believed to have disappeared, she went to meet a stranger who called her several times and had offered $1,500 for her services. And that's about all that they know. Side note, Kimberly Overstreet is Amberlynn's sister and now uses the same Craigslist booking system as her sister did to try to lure the killer. So I just yeah. got chills. Yeah. So she's like been trying to, so she's a, not a call girl. She's like a, one of those dancer. She's like a dancer, I think, mm-hmm. but she's been using the service just to try to get the killer to like come out of hiding. Dude. Sister's so got balls. Sister. She's got brass balls, man. <laughs> Some big ass bulls. I was like, I want to like read about this girl, but then also I don't have time for that right now. Ain't nobody got time for that. Right. Exactly. (laughs) So now after these bodies were found in December of 2010, a few months later in March and early April of 2011, there were four more bodies discovered. Oh, oh, good. Right next to Gilligo Beach. Did they have, were they in burlap sacks? Well, I'm just kind of curious, like, how people didn't just see these bodies. Because it makes it sound like they were legitimately just there. They were just hanging out. side of the road. In burlap sacks? These ones were not, I don't believe. Um, You're letting me down, burlap killer. I know. I feel like burlap killer. <laughs> burlap killer? <laughs> the sounds burlap. like a fucking scarecrow. <laughs> the burlap killer. <laughs> comes to life scares the birds um suffolk police widened their search area once more and on april 6th detective lieutenant stephen smith of the nassau county pd because that's where they extended it into is into the next county um said that said that his office will further explore and investigate the criminal activity which may be in close proximity to the recent discovery discovered human remains from suffolk so we've got eight bodies now right Yes. Okay. Eight bodies and a missing Shannon. <laughs> um, she is kind of, I don't want to say she's like a highlight of my story, but she's one of the main things that I talk about because there's so much weird stuff around it. Mm-hmm. But so they extended it into <laughs> the Nassau County. And so now there's two PDs working on it and they're actually like working together. Oh, good job, guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This also now brought in state police considering it's crossed county lines these victims that they found this time are okay dot 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 (laughs) jessica taylor 
20 years old, most recently known to have lived in Manhattan. She went Manhattan. Missing. You Manhattan. could not have said that in a more Minnesotan accent. I can't help it. I'm from fucking Minnesota. To have lived in Manhattan. To have lived in Manhattan. <laughs> she went missing in July of 2003. On July 26 of 2003, her naked torso was discovered. Just the torso? Yep, missing That's her so head and her hands. Um, so it was like her head, her hands, and then a forearm was missing. So it was like her torso and her legs, I think. <laughs> so No. It wasn't. I'm it was just her torso. I'll I'll get into it. So it was missing her head and her hands, 45 miles east of Gilgo Beach in Manorville, New York. I'm so uncomfortable with the image you're painting me just right now. Just listen to this. It was found atop of a pile of scrap wood at the end of a paved access road near Long Island Expressway. There, were pra- there was plastic sheeting underneath the torso, and a tattoo she had on her body was mutilated so they couldn't tell what it was. Then, on March 29th, 2011, the remains of a skull and a pair of hands and a forearm were found, and they were DNA matched to Taylor. So they found her head and her hands later on. So fucking gross. She was known to work in Manhattan and D.C. as a sex worker. So, obviously, he's trying to go for the easiest... I don't know. It's it's so funny because... Well, not funny. It's weird odd because people that kill sex workers either they have like this vendetta like some stupid higher mm-hmm. than mighty thing about it or it's just easier yeah because you know like people a lot of them are not being not close with their family or close to anybody right. else and they can go missing without being reported for yeah. quite a while there's like there's two uh, there's two killers there's the i have like a sexual fetish of i'm they're dirty, women are dirty, and mm-hmm. I want them dead. And there's, well, these are easy prey. Right. It's like, well, go for the ones that I can mm-hmm. just easily get to come to me, basically. Right. Okay. So the second victim that was found in that search was Jane Doe number six. I just don't understand why you mutilate the bodies afterwards. Like, that's why I'm like. That's it's, where it's fucked. Yeah. Like, like, it's not just. Okay. Sorry. Continue. No, it's, it's fine. Just- <laughs> She was a woman that was only oh. about five feet, two inches tall. Just a tiny. Um, between the ages of 18 and 35, it was hard to tell. Mm-hmm. Uh, and commonly, she was believed to have been a sex worker. I'm not sure how they came to that, but I'm sure there's something how they came to that um, conclusion just because. I'm well, wondering if it's just because all the other victims were sex workers. It just makes sense. Um, her head, right foot, and hand were found early. <laughs> in April and have never been identified of who she is. So again, Jane Doe, Mm -hmm. her torso was then also discovered in the same area as Taylor's was discovered on November 19th of 2000. So her torso was found a long while back. And then just in April of 2011, they found her head and her hand and her foot. So, now he, he now he's he stopped shoving them in burlap bags. Now he's just spreading them all over the place. Well, and this is like it's dating him back now, though, because all the ones that they found in 2010 in December were from like 2007, mm-hmm. 2004, 2005. Now right. this goes all the way back to finding part of her in 2000. Right. So slowly, it's like getting longer. It's and like longer. guys, we got a problem. Yeah. <laughs> There's a we have a we have a problem. Yeah, with, hey. 
So it, her torso at that time was wrapped in garbage bags and dumped in the woods near the same power line access road as Taylor's was. Okay. They believe that these two cases are definitely linked mm-hmm. by the same person because they were basically identical. Um, so they're all these, they're kind of, there's this big back and forth, like whether it's one killer or if multiple killers. I was just going to ask that because, because you have two different MOs now. Yeah. But One's then, a burlap killer mm-hmm. and the other one is cutting them up and spreading them out. Yeah. And also if you live in New York, have you learned nothing from the mob? If you want to get rid of a body, just dump it in a pig pen. Come on, guys. Get your shit together. Stop giving uh, people tips, Nielsen. <laughs> sorry, continue. This isn't, this isn't like a, a help hotline for <laughs> fucking murderers. How can we do this better? We'll You're take right. caller number one. Caller number caller one. one. What's your question today? How do I avoid leaving my DNA? Well, that's a great question. So Burn today, off your fingertips. Yeah. Shave your head. You want to be body like a seal. Body just like a seal. hairless. <laughs> I want like you to seal. just slick like a seal. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Sorry. Back well, in. I'm in back in. And that's in for our, that's the end of our tip line today. You have a wonderful day. You have a wonderful day. Back to our regular scheduled programming. Remember, don't go killing anyone. <laughs> <laughs> So, <laughs> the next victim found in that search was John Doe. Oh, we're throwing in a man. Yeah, he was between the ages of 17 and 23, and was about 5 foot 6 inches tall. He was missing four of his teeth and had been dead for between 5 and 10 years. Um, discovered on April 4th, 2011, on the beach, the Gilgo Beach, I'm just not understanding how they cannot identify these bodies if they have teeth. Like, you have no dental records anywhere for these people? Well, I mean, maybe these people don't have dental records, really. I mean... Okay. You just... It's... Not everybody goes to the dentist regularly. I'd be fucked. (laughs) I have not had any cavities or anything that I've gotten taken care of. They'd be like, oh, she doesn't have any fillings. <laughs> and she had braces, so now her teeth don't even look like they don't even look like teeth. <laughs> Your teeth don't even look like teeth. <laughs> you look like chiclets. <laughs> okay. So it was discovered on Gilgo Beach, relatively close to where the four were found in 2010. The body was of a young Asian male who had died from what looked like blunt force trauma to his head. Do you think it was a chick? His composite was released in September of 2011. They stated that he most likely was working as a sex worker and was found wearing women's clothing at the time of his death. Bet you the killer was pissed. Yeah. So that's the cops believe that he thought that it was a woman. And so then when the killer found out that he was biologically not female, he got mad and bludgeoned him because nobody else got bludgeoned. Everybody was strangled, strangled for the most part that they could find. It's like you are not biologically female. I'm no, I'm I'm it's terrible, but I'm picturing the killer like getting all into it and then finding a dick. Whoa! <laughs> Just being like, what the fuck? <laughs> I'm sorry, it's not funny. I'm sorry. Okay. Uh, the surprise of a lifetime. Oh, and this male had a some sort of musculoskeletal disorder, so he most likely walked with this. In, in like a limp or a like hitch in his gait, you know, like he's like oh. got a little hitch in your giddy up there. 
All right. So oh my God, next- I'm such a terrible. <laughs> oh, the, okay. Sorry, focus. The next body found was baby doe. Oh, it's a baby. You just ruined my fun. <laughs> I can't make any jokes about this. This was the third body found on April 4th in their search when they as they extended it. She was found about 250 feet away from the partial remains of Jane Doe number six. Um, she was between 16 and 24 months old and was fully skeletal. The toddler was wrapped in a blanket and didn't show signs of physical and did show some signs of physical trauma. After DNA testing, it was determined that she was the child of Jane Doe number three, whom I'm going to talk about next. And she was wearing gold earrings and a necklace. I'm wondering if maybe she brought her kid along. You just wrapped it in a blanket and set it down. Or no, she it. brought her baby along on the yeah trick. The trick. <laughs> I don't know how else to say it. Right. No. And then he killed her because he, you know, and killed the baby. I feel like he's killing people even if they don't piss him off. So, mm-hmm. but, but if you're gonna, if he's gonna go there, you're gonna kill the mom. You, you just gonna leave the baby. You're gonna set kill the baby, the baby down. They can't. I agree. I'm not <laughs> saying I understand why he killed the baby. I'm just saying I'm assuming that's what did. happened. <laughs> so, Jane Doe number three, a.k.a. they knew her as Peaches before. Because on June 28th of 1997, so now we're in the 90s, the torso of an African-American woman was found dismembered in Hampstead Lake Street Park on the lake on Lakeview or in Lakeview, New York. Her torso was in a green Rubbermaid container. Ew. And it was dumped on the side of the road right next to the lake. She had a tattoo of a heart-shaped peach with a bite out of it and a couple, like, drops dripping, like a juicy peach. A little weird. (laughs) Um, Dripping from it on her left breast to detach. Oh. Um, then on April eleventh huh. of two thousand eleven, while they were searching, the police officers found dismembered human skeletal remains in a plastic bag near Jones Beach State Park. Again, um, they matched that this to the partial remains that were found to the same person, but they don't know who that person really is. And this was the baby Doe's mommy. Um, she she was wearing similar jewelry to the daughter too. So they're wondering if they they eventually like put out photos of the jewelry mm-hmm. and of like the composite of the Asian male because he was had the for whatever reason he was able to they were able to composite his skull. So I'm not sure what. Yeah. But they did that to try to see if they could identify them and there hasn't been any like any motion in that ocean. So <laughs> the next victim and final one for this part mm-hmm. is Jane Doe number seven, aka the Fire Island Jane Doe. So this was one that wasn't necessarily connected right away. Okay. Also on April eleventh, nearby the Tobey Beach, there was a human skull and several teeth discovered. Uh, these remains were linked to severed legs that were found in garbage bags on Fire Island in 1996. So now we're back another year. So we just got people, he's just chopping people up and just tossing them places. Like, just, just, yeah. just random body parts all over fucking... Just, yeah, in this, like... it's like Staten a, Island. 10 to 15 mile radius. Like, it's not huge. 
Oh no, it's Long Island. Long Island. <laughs> In Long Island. Long Island. Uh, this person had a surgical scar on her leg, which is one of the details they were putting out to try to like get some sort of idea on these people. Uh, within five days time, the search for further bodies in Nassau County began. There was a set up, a set of partial re- human remains and a separate skull found. This brings the total of victims to 10. Ugh. There were two human teeth found near the skull and on more, on a more in-depth search near the skull. So like they didn't find the teeth right away. And then they found some human teeth after like they did the general search and then they did like the each mm-hmm. inch, whatever search after they found remains. Right. Ugh. On June that year, 2011, the police raised the, the original reward from $5,000 to $25,000 for any information leading to the arrest of the possible Lisk killer. Uh, it took until November 29th of 2011 for police to announce that they believe that they that this was all the act of a single killer and even now some people refute that though i still think there's more than one kind of thing yeah some people think that there's two some people think that maybe it's like two and then a random person killing Mm -hmm. just because they're all very similar in where they're dumped but it doesn't necessarily mean they're the same exact like Mm -hmm. emma was like you were saying they, but I would think if you had two serial killers working the same grounds, mm-hmm. they'd have a turf war. Yeah, <laughs> like West Side <laughs> Story, just come out and snapping in the streets at each other. <laughs> uh, but people are just saying there's too many differences in the killings to be the same killer. But then the opposite side literally says the opposite thing that right. there's way too many similarities for it to be multiple killers in well, the same exact have- area. You have them crossing races, too. You have mm-hmm. an African-American, an Asian, a Caucasian. Mm-hmm. So if the, I guess if it's just well prostitutes or sex workers that they're looking at, they're right. not looking at anything else. And some of the, some of the experts say that considering the killings may have, may have been going for over 20 years, the victims are similar in stature and lifestyle, but he'd be able to change and do things, find out things that he likes more, things that he doesn't like, what he changes. What if it's a girl? What if it's a, what if it's a chick? I don't know, man. Quit gender assuming. Um, okay. They. <laughs> Excuse me. On September 20th. <laughs> like I give an actual fuck. I'm just It's, it's fine. <laughs> On uh, September 20th of 2011, they released the composite. After Amanda was born. Day after your birthday. Oh, I was born a, a few years before that, though. <laughs> Sorry, continue. it was the day after my birthday, <laughs> my like twenty second. The birthday. day Amanda was born. It's your birthday. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> um, a composite composite sketches were released of two of the victims found in April and March, one being the Asian male, and the other being uh, Jane Doe number six. And along with releasing the photos of the jewelry that were found on the toddler and her mother. Mm-hmm. Uh, this, the day that they all, the day that they revealed these, they also revealed that the second set of remains found in Nassau County matched 
the legs. So they, this is like when they're like letting all the information out right. to the public. So, and letting people know that, yes, this does hey guys, date back all the way to 1996. There's a serial killer running around, but it's yeah. been running around for 20 years. So if you're not dead yet, you're probably fine. Yeah. After, <laughs> after they like threw all this information out, they got like 1200 tips, like right off the bat from through email and calling mm-hmm. and texting and, you know, like right. all that stuff. On November 29th of 2011, police announced that they believe the person behind the deaths were almost certainly living in Long Island on a regular basis and most likely had changed their demeanor when around the time of the killings. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like they have... It's like they they have like a dark period where they mm-hmm. start to come killing and then they go back That's, to being normal. Right, like it's almost like a bipolar swing, bipolar, kind of thing. yeah, like a what are they called, manic and depressive stage. Yeah. So they, one of the experts that because I watched a couple interviews and like small documentaries on it, and one of the experts had said that it would be noticeable to the people around them, but this person probably isn't very social anyway. Right. So it would just be more the way that they acted and they saw them acting rather than actually interacting with them. Right. So on December 13th, the remains of Shannon Gilbert from the beginning were found in a marsh half a mile away from where she was last seen. She was literally just a half a mile away from where she was running down the street and they found it her remains 19 months later. It's just so sad. Uh, A week before her remains were found, they had found some of her clothing and belongings on the beach. Police say they believe that Gilbert accidentally drowned in the marsh, but her mother does not think that. Uh, Authorities believe that she was in a drug-induced panic when she called 911 and started running down the street and, like, panicking, saying Mm -hmm. that they were after her. And what else did she say? Oh, they were going to kill her. If they know there's an active serial killer yeah. and you have a, that, that so there's the, two sides to that. It's why are you saying that you like why is the first assumption that she was in a drug induced panic and she was drowning? But then on the other hand, it's if I know there's an active serial killer, unless I had proof like that right. tie them together, then it's probably I'm, I would say I've already said I've got all these other bodies. Right. Why would they deny this one? Yeah. So it's kind of. It's not like they're trying to hide that they have a serial killer. They've already announced that they have a serial killer. Right. Well, and in May of 2012, the Suffolk County Medical Examiner declared the death an accidental drowning or a death by misadventure Mm -hmm. and inconclusive. Um, Then on November 15th, 2012, Shannon's mother filed a lawsuit against the Suffolk County PD, hoping to get more answers and get more resources to be able to like prove that there was something to it and hold right. someone accountable for her death. Uh, due to all the controversy that surrounded it in September for in September of 2014, forensic pathologist, Michael Baden, who, you know, that autopsy show I was telling you about, mm-hmm. he's the host of that. And oh. that's where I heard this the first, I'm like, this sounds so familiar. It was the story of him because oh. he took it on and did a show, like one of his shows on it. Um, conducted an independent examination of the remains. He found damage to the hyoid bone, which suggests strangulation, mm-hmm. not drowning. And he also noticed he noted that the body was found face up, which is very uncommon for drowning, drowning. victims. Yeah. The only way I could imagine that happening, if it was like a dry drowning, 
where she inhaled some water when she fell and then passed out. Yeah. And then she just, sometimes you just drown. But it would make more sense that if she was in the water and she was strangled from behind. Also, her pants were down. So I feel like she didn't like. It would make more sense (laughs) if you were strangled from, I'm in the water. I ran into the water. Uh I'm getting strangled from behind. And then to just leave her body, she'd be floating up. I don't know. It's it's odd. It's just was there not what was there water in her lungs? It was well. She was. It was 19 months after she had died, and she was in a marsh. So she was basically goo by the time they found her. (sighs) It sounds terrible, but she was totally yeah like decomposed. Um, so they couldn't tell that way. It was more just situationally. Mm -hmm. She probably drowned. Mm -hmm. Um. Even with this, her death was still listed as an accident on the police report, so they basically closed the case. Right. And there's no legal action that can be taken. They're not looking into it any further. Uh, On July 23rd of 2016, Shannon's mother was murdered in her home in Ellenville, New York. I'm sorry, what? Yeah. Later that day, Shannon's younger sister was arrested and charged for stabbing her mother. Yeah, I watched, like, multiple... Okay. What the fuck? So I watched a bunch of these little, like, interviews with her mom and these little, like, news clips about stuff. And I'm like, oh, you know, just kind of getting a feel of the cases. And then I pull up Wikipedia and another article. This pops up and I was like, are you fucking kidding me? I was watching a dead woman that, like, was killed (laughs) by her daughter, too? That's... It was was a really weird feeling. That's fucking weird. Like, I got all personally attached to it and then... I read that and I was like, oh, she's dead. Oh, no. Oh, she did. So on December 10th, 2015, Suffolk County Police Commissioner Tim Seney released that the FBI was officially joining the investigation. And my comment is about damn fucking time. Yeah. The day before. They hadn't brought the FBI in yet? So here's the thing. So the day before, the former commissioner for the police department, James Burke, who resigned in October, Mm -hmm. was indicted for alleged police brutality and other complaints. It said that Burke had blocked the FBI from becoming officially involved in the, he was one of those my territory type of guys. Mm -hmm. So he blocked the FBI from being part of the Long Island serial killer case. What a fuck. Yeah, the FBI had helped in some of the searches, but they didn't actually help with any of the investigation. and Because he wouldn't let them? Yeah, because he was like, he's like, it's still just in New York. No. Yeah, no, I know. Long Island's in New Jersey. I know. Isn't it? It's it, But he was like blocking it as if it was his territory and they didn't have to come because it wasn't a national thing. Across state lines, motherfucker! Yeah. Then in September... Um... In September of 2017, so we're getting even closer to us, Suffolk County Prosecutor Robert Biacaville <laughs> uh, from the DA's office announced that John Bittrolf, a contractor from Manorville, Long Beach, um, who was convicted in 2017... And sentenced for the homicide of two prostitutes in 1993 and 1994, and was also a suspect in at least one of the Lisk murders. Um, he 
was linked to the murders in the 90s by DNA. So he was linked to the murders he was convicted by DNA. Mm-hmm. Police can't make an official comment due to the Lisk investigation being active. And just recently in June, a proposal was made to use genetic um, genealogy to ID the unidentified victims and possibly the killer. So they're trying to push to be able to open up to those like 23andMe things and Mm -hmm. um, go into the like actual prison record DNAs to do familial genealogy on it. I got my dad 23andMe for Christmas. Yeah. What if we do it and we found out he's actually a killer? (laughs) I want to do 23andMe so bad. I just don't or, have money. Or we find that. out like he's re- related to a killer or something. Like, oh, great grandpa was H. H. Holmes. Great great grandpa. Okay. Um <laughs> I don't think my dad's actually a killer, but I'm just saying I don't think he's a killer. I don't think he's a killer. <laughs> but he cries at like when you watch a movie and a dog dies. So I don't think he's a killer. But I mean You know, you never fucking know. You never fucking know. So <laughs> he's a pillar of the community, so it's possible. It's a possibility. <laughs> If anybody's a pillar of the community, just side eye the shit out of them. Okay, so I'm going to talk about some of the suspects that they have and why they are suspects now. James Burke. On December 15th, 2016, the family attorney of Shannon Gilbert said that an escort who had conducted business with the Suffolk County Police Chief... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, claims that he had said he was connected to the murders in November of 2016. He was sentenced to 46 months in fe- federal prison, as well as three years of supervised release. <laughs> okay, this is really funny. Of supervised release for beating a man who stole a duffel bag of sex toys and pornography from his vehicle. <laughs> I was just imagining your neighbor walking up the hallway right now and you're beating a man who double bangs on stealing his sex toys. He pleaded oh, guilty. God. That's another reason why I like put us on the edge room for our stuff. Because if we get noisy, then at least it's just like the walls to the outside. This will keep us some from being noisy. Because we get furious. Um, so he beat this man for stealing all his sexy things. <laughs> for stealing all his sexy things. <laughs> he pleaded guilty to the charges of civil right violations and conspiracy to obstruct justice. So I'm assuming he tried to run or something. Uh, the family attorney also said that the sex worker claimed that Burke had had r- extremely rough sex with her at Oak at an Oak Beach party. So he's connected in a in a way because he was head of this investigation. He clearly has sexual things and they're like it. So it's for me doesn't really lead up to like yeah, you're it. Um this was the same chief that told that like had blocked the FBI from joining in. So that's the only thing that makes me go hmm maybe he didn't want someone who knew what they were doing there. Yeah. Um but the next suspect is John Bitrolf, which is who we talked about. That was the yeah. contractor. On September 12, 2017, he, uh, the Suffolk County prosecutor, Robert Bianca Villa. <laughs> Wait. That's the one that said before. Yeah. 
um, said that Bittrolf was a suspect in at least one of the Lisk murders. Like I said, he was arrested in 2014, linked by DNA to the two victims in the 90s, Rita Tang Tangridi and Colleen Mc McNamee. So it's McName with two E's at the end. Mm -hmm. I was like, McNamee. Mm -hmm. um, Do you, did he have access to burlap? The Well, do you see He's a construction worker, maybe. Maybe. Maybe what? maybe it's on his little list, listy Isn't list. Isn't there, like, concrete or something uh, that comes I, in? Oh, no. I don't know. Uh, I, the match... I want to know who he is. Why he has... why burlap? I just want to know why burlap. You're really stuck on the burlap it's just thing? A, it's a porous material. It doesn't really upstand the weather. I just don't understand why burlap. I want to be able to ask him. farmer that just has the burlap in their barn, so that's what they used. I don't know. Um, this was matched with familial DNA by his from his brother who was already in prison. So, oh shit! Yeah. So Bitroff lived only three miles away from Jessica Taylor and Jane Doe number six. How do they, they know? Were found. Oh, you mean where they were yeah. found? I was like, how if um, they don't know who she is? How did they know where she lived? Yeah, the grown daughter of Rita, one of his victims in the nineties, was said to have been friends with Melissa Bartholomew which is the same girl whose mother said that she was getting a lot of calls from Manterville around the time of her disappearance, oh. which is where he lived. So. Dun, 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 dun. So that's, he's so that's that strong mm -hmm. suspect in my It's going to be mind. number one yep. for right now. Until I Joseph Brewer is the next one. Okay. Brewer hired Shannon as the escort. That was her last um, client that night. And escort the night that she disappeared and is most likely the last person to see her alive other than the killer. Unless mm -hmm. he's the killer. But they said Shannon, they said she drowned. Yes. So then is he not a suspect in her death? That makes no this, sense. This is, I'm, this is like just suspects, not necessarily. Oh, okay. Like he, we'll just, I'll finish this and then I'll kind of go into where it. This, his story is that not long after Shannon actually arrived at his house, she began acting really strange and be like tweaking out basically, okay. um, and became, became panicked and erratic and fled into the night. Okay. Um, I don't know if maybe he did something and it made her uncomfortable and she just like, bah, and mm -hmm. left. And that was the night that she was seen running down the road, pounding on the door, saying that they were after her and it was all in Brewer's neighborhood. Okay. With all that, the police didn't find any evidence of wrongdoing at all on the part of Brewer. There was no evidence linking him to anything. Other so basically, than it was just the fact that he was the last person the to last see her. Client. And so he was dismissed really quickly. And I'm okay. wondering if this was before her body was found that mm -hmm. he was Got it. a suspect. Okay. That makes sense. Um, so this one was super freaking interesting to me, this next one. It's just weird. Dr. Peter Hackett. Okay. I'm intrigued. Now, two days after Shannon's disappearance, Dr. Hackett, who is a neighbor to Brewer, called Shannon's mother. She said that this man called, claiming that he was taking care of Shannon, and he ran a home of wayward girls. This is where I remember. Yeah. This is the part of the story and that I remember. There's like, oh my god so weird a home of wayward girls and was asking if shannon had gotten home and 
it's, her mother's kind of like, what the fuck? So she called it into the police right away and said, this guy named Peter Hackett called mm-hmm. me and said, I'm Peter Hackett and I run a home. And, you know, I was, she was wondering if he got home and I was like, I don't understand what you're talking about. Right. <laughs> so then three days later after that, because she called into the police, he called again, denying that he even knew Shannon or that he had ever even called her in the first place. And yada, yada, like basically berated her for even like thinking he could have done anything because she called police right (laughs) but it was proven by records that he had called her two times just like she said right so it's like dude there's phone records like why are you calling me why are you saying that you're you didn't do it it's stupid you're fucking dumb also Note that the marshy area where Shannon's remains were eventually found was just past Hackett's backyard. Mm-hmm. It was literally like her mom said because her mom said that she literally was taken basically onto his porch to see where the site was. At one point, I don't know how that happened, but she's like, you can see it like from his house exactly where she was found. Mm-hmm. Ugh, gross. So what? Maybe he killed her. Yeah, but he's not the one that killed all the that's other. That's what I yeah. see. That's what I'm wondering. Thinking she was killed, but I don't necessarily think that she was one of the like right. serial killers' victims. The Gilbert family filed a long, wrongful death suit against the doctor in November 2012, claiming that the there was evidence supporting that he had taken Shannon into his home that morning and administered drugs to her. And then that's what launched all the events that caused her to die, whether it be he killed her or he gave her drugs and then his home of wayward girls and then like set her off into the night and she ended up. Did he actually have a home of wayward girls? No. So it's so fucking weird. It turns out. This I remember on a show that I watched. Yeah. On the, it was like an inside edition thing. Mm -hmm. The actual family lawyer that they keep referencing, he was talking about how he thinks that all of these like bodies that are spread just beyond his property within a few miles of it that's his home of wayward girls <gasps> he's like in my mind that's what he's talking about is i take care of them in my home of wayward girls and he keeps them where he oh, knows where they are that's fucked up i was dude. like that it just gave me a little goosebumps thinking about it it's mm-hmm. just so like does it mean that that's true? No, but it's a definitely like a psychological possibility that someone could do something like that. In oh, their head. that's fucked up. So it turns out that this Hackett guy had a bit of a history of inserting himself and exaggerating his part in different major events that happened. Not a good enough reason to use the word insert, but continue. Insert. <laughs> so weird. They also found that Hackett's wife and two children were home the night of the incident, so they're like, well, maybe, mm-hmm. you know, if they were here, they should have known. I think I caught the tail end of this show. Yeah. And that, because all of this was re- very familiar yeah. to me. He he was ruled out as a suspect in the list and in Shannon's murder, but uh, I don't necessarily think that the fact that his wife and kids were home is a good enough reason to be like, well, he has No, an people alibi. commit murders with other people in the house all the time. Yeah. So I could give you a list. Would you like one? Shannon is only listed as like a possible victim by all the sources that I read. And there are also a few other possible 
victims that kind of are linked, very similar, around the same timeline, same places. I just can't 100% confirm that they're linked. Yes. So, I have a few of those victims to tell you about. You want to hear some more dead bodies? I always. 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 Tina Folia. She's a 19-year-old who was last seen on the early morning of February 1st, 1982. I know. She is known, she was known as a hitchhiker and was last seen um, in West Islip. I don't know how to say it. I-S-L-I-P. Islip, yeah. Islip? Yep. Okay. Um, Her dismembered body was found. So this is why they think it might be it because it's very similar to the ones that were dismembered. Uh, Was found by Department of Transportation workers on February 3rd of that year. And... She was on the shoulder of the State Parkway, which was the same place as one of the other victims. Her remains were placed in three plastic garbage bags and were found a few miles north of the road leading directly to Gilligo Beach. So... I mean, it sounds like it should be connected. Yeah. The fact that it's, like, so much earlier, I think, is the only reason why they're, like, Maybe that's number one. Yeah. That's... Her diamond ring was missing as well that she how was known big to is born. this area of land because you're finding all of these bodies and doing all these searches and you're still not finding every all of the bodies there that's what i'm the saying. fuck you doing that's what i'm saying so her diamond ring was missing that she was known to wear and there was dna from an unknown male on the garbage bags but it was too disintegrated to actually do makes sense an in-depth dna test on um, it has not been ruled out that she could have been one of the early, if not the first, victim of the I mean, L-I-S-K. it sounds like it. Well, and see, that's where I'm like, she could have been legitimately the first one, because usually the ser- a serial killer has that first one where they're like, oh shit, and then they like have a break for a mm-hmm. longer while than when they ramp up and start doing it on a regular basis. So I wouldn't be surprised if this was like the first one, then he had like a few years of like... Right, and I don't understand how these bodies went so long undiscovered if they're just... This was discovered three days after, or two days after she went and disappeared. She no, but I mean like the other ones. Like they yeah. found the one, no, the like... No, un- from 96. Yeah, and, yeah, like what are they fucking... They just sitting there? Well, and these are all like all the things that were found later for the most part. No, because the ones that were in burlap were from like three, four years before right. they were found. And they were like... On the side of this. And it's like right. they were literally just on the side of the road. Unless, where where had the bodies been? Were they just dropped off and they were somewhere else? Like, that's where right. I'm like, how, how are they sitting for years in a burlap bags on the side of the road? Like. I don't know, man. People need fucking... to open their damn eyes. Open your eyes, jackass. So, another possible victim is cherries. So. She got a cherry titty tap. Bingo. Bingo, bingo. Peaches and cherries it. have similar tats. So peaches um, and cherries. Um, so respectful. Well, and that's that's what they were. They called peaches peaches before they connected her to. Before they connected her to the other ones, so it's just you yeah. know it's like AKA peaches because that's what <laughs> they were calling her until they connected it to the other right. body parts that they found. So she was found dismembered in a suitcase March third. 2007 the body was of a hispanic or light-skinned african-american female and was found washed up 
on the beach of Harbor Island Park. Okay. This victim had a tattoo of two cherries on her left breast. She was stabbed to death and was never identified. A dismembered leg washed up on the Cold Spring on Cold Spring Harbor on the 21st of that month and it matched Cherry's body. Okay. So again, bits and pieces of the body showing up at other times. She was dismembered in a similar fashion to Peaches. Um and Jessica Taylor and Jane Doe number 6. This is why she they want to link her to it, but again, it's like it's in a too far of a distant area to be able to officially link right. it because it's a little bit further away than everything mm-hmm. else was. Tanya Rush, 39, a mother of three, was dismembered and put into small suitcases dumped off of the Southern State Parkway uh, in June of 2008. Her case was linked on May 17th of 2011 just because they were like, oh, look at these similarities. I'm wondering right. if it just passes like a a different county line or mm-hmm. something. So once the state police came in. Yeah. They're like, became, eh, wait a minute here. Yeah. Hold up. Yeah. Wait a minute. Let me put some. Another one. An unknown Asian woman. In March of 2013, a woman was walking her dog and stumbled upon the remains of an Asian woman ages 20 to 30. She was wearing a gold pig pendant, which could be referenced to the year of the pig. And so that would put her at age 29, if that was mm-hmm. correct for where she was at her bones showed signs of trauma and it is believed that she had been buried before the hurricane of hurricane sandy and may have been washed back up in 2012 when hurricane sandy came through yeah she was found 32 32 miles away sister broke her leg during her hurricane sandy broke her ankle fell down steps in the power outage sorry interesting interesting (laughs) uh she was found 32 miles away and some say that she may be connected, but the consensus is pretty much like, eh, probably not. But just because of the fact that she was found in a decently close area. And right. All of these, and she matches kind of the physical description, like size. I think at this point it's better to include them. And then, so you have a full picture right. and then disclude them. When you find when, some sort of like yeah. real evidence saying mm-hmm. that it's not. Um. And then the last one is Natasha Jungo. We'll go with it. Um, 31-year-old, five foot seven woman who's about 120 pounds. <clears throat> excuse me, was seen <laughs> leaving her queen's house uh on March 16th of 2013. So now we're getting even closer with right. like kills. Her car was found later alongside the Ocean Parkway right near Gilligo Beach, mm-hmm. um, with some of her clothes and belongings found on the beach the following day. She was last seen wearing a black robe, pink PJ pants, and a gray hoodie with black boots and black, <laughs> I'm sorry, with black boots and a black coat. So she was like in her scrubs, just yeah. like having a day. Um, this hasn't been definitively linked either by the police. Uh, Jungle has a history of problems in which she thought people were following her. So she was a, very, a little bit of paranoia. Yeah. Um, according to her family. Mm-hmm. So then on June 24th of 2013, her body washed up on Gilligo beach. So I don't think she was dismembered. So that makes me go like, mm-hmm. mm, it might just be a separate incident or she may have like stripped down, gone into the water and drowned and then washed back up. Right. You know, something 
could have just been an accident, but nobody really knows. But being it's in the area, again, mm-hmm. you're just kind of taking it as possibilities. There has been such a speculation as who is behind the Long Island serial killer murders. According to the New York Times, he is most likely a white male in his mid-20s to mid-40s, who is since he's been going for 20 years, most likely Mm mid-40s to 50s now. Um, According to them, he is familiar with the south shore of Long Island and has access to burlap sacks. Got access to burlap sacks, guys. It just made me laugh when I read it. If you guys live in New York or New Jersey, can you tell me where you can find burlap sacks? Is it like a common thing? Is that something See, that's weird? I don't think it's weird to have burlap. I went like the opposite direction because you're like, uh, how do you find burlap sacks? Where the like, fuck- who can't get them? They're where, all over the place. Where do they find? Where would you? If I wanted to go purchase burlap sacks, where would I go? I would fucking go to a farm and feed store. Huh. <laughs> That's literally just, what chicken just, feed comes in. You just shut me down real quick there, because that <laughs> makes total logical sense. Fuck my life. But in New Jersey, in New, where do you from get New them? Jersey? Where do you get them? That was my thought. Well, of they it. got farms in New Jersey. Yeah, but not on Long Island, do they? Maybe. I know they got pig farms because that's how the mafia used to get rid of bodies. Well, yeah, but you just drive out into the country of New York and New Jersey and you could do that. But, mm-hmm. like, Long Island and the heavily populated stuff, I don't think they have, like, I don't know regular farm access. I've never been to Long Island. Long Island. Either way, I read it and I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> That's a weird detail. <laughs> um, so he seems to use these for disposal, but it kind of, if they're all connected, it kind of makes me think that he just uses whatever is around and he yeah. has access to. He had to. a rubber made tub. He had plastic, garbage bags. Garbage bags. Plastic. Yeah. It was just all over the place. He wrapped the baby in a blanket. Yeah. Like, I don't know. He may have knowledge of police techniques and may even be tied to law enforcement, they say, because he knew how to cover his tracks so the well. Police with- commissioner cutting off hands and heads and dismembering and distorting tattoos and cutting off pieces of body and not letting them be found that have like scars or tattoos or something like that. But in this day and age, anybody could have that knowledge if you watch Investigation Discovery enough. But I mean, if he started (laughs) in 96. Yeah, I guess. 82 was the first body. Yeah. So, I mean, it's Mm -hmm. a little less known and he may have figured it out throughout, but unless he was like trained in it possibly. On the other hand, the the Newsday reporters seem to think it, they're pretty sure it's the serial killer Joel Rifkin, which I'm really considering doing. Okay, now he sounds like a serial time. killer. He is or, a serial. I'm killer. sorry, he sounds like a baseball player, Joel I, Rifkin. <laughs> Joel Rifkin. Joel Rifkin's up to bat. <laughs> yeah. um, he's an American serial killer who lived in Long Island and actually seems to have a very similar mo to a majority uh-huh. of the murders. Um, he may have been responsible for some of the older remains found in 2011, uh, not the sack ones, the mm-hmm. ones that were in plastic. There are four victims whose complete bo- complete bodies have never been found. In an interview in 2011 with Newsday, Rifkin denies having anything to do with the recent discovered remains right after they found them. Suck and, my dick, Rifkin. Yeah. So now I'm like, now come on, just do Rifkin next do it. week. Do it. Because it's interesting. Do it. Right? If you're not going to do it, I'm going to do it. Extender. Get the extender. But yeah, that's it. That was a good there story. There is. I was a lot more than I was expecting. That was a good story. And then I was like, well, now I want to know more and more and more. So then I read about Joe Rifkin. So next know. week, we're going to have 
Joel Rifkin. Joel Rifkin up to bat. Because <laughs> he sounds like up a base player. Up um, We gotta go to Star Wars. We're gonna go to Star Wars now, so we're not doing closing. Like, we got shit to do. Okay, so how about just follow us? Um, um, thanks for listening. Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Mm-hmm. Follow us. The like us. Rate us. Talk to us. Be our friends. We love you. We want friends. Thanks for your patience. Even though we didn't um, do anything we said we were going to do. Also, well... <laughs> I was dying. We we have plans. It's just we did not have time to do it because we were both under the weather for the entire time we were off. So, I mean, it worked out for the best because we weren't trying to figure out recording while being sick. So, well, see you later. Well, see you later. Happy New Year! Yay! 2020 bitches! Oh, I should stop recording now. Yeah, that would be good. <laughs> Just staring at each other. <laughs> <laughs>